Hey, Mary. Hey, Katie. So, um, do you think pirates had pet parrots? I mean, they certainly life. did in Treasure Island, but I'm starting to think that maybe <laughs> exactly. that wasn't a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes down to Treasure Island again. Oh, my God. So Long John Silver had a parrot on his shoulder, Ugh. and that was not really documented throughout history of pirates having pet parrots. Um, they say, of course, there were trade in animals from all around the world during the age of piracy, and that a colorful talking bird would have been expensive, so pirates probably stole them along with other valuable cargo, and the crew on the pirate ship may have been glad to have these intelligent birds on board to entertain them, but there's no actual accounts of them. So the stereotypical mm. pirate with the parrot on their shoulder is, again, from 1950s Treasure Island. I feel like we need to watch that movie, because I've never I seen it. You. And I talk either. about it on this podcast. <laughs> mm, yeah. Oh, let's do it. Let's, let's do it. Do We're going to have a long, dry spell before a, uh, hopefully, a season three. So, yeah. yeah, we'll have time. Exactly. Hello and welcome to the Gentleman Pirates Library, a podcast covering every episode of the Mac show, Our Flag Means Death. I'm Katie. And I'm Mary. Today we'll be taking a deep dive into Season 2, Episode 7, Man on Fire, aka the one where we get the best double entendre joke ever made. <laughs> yes. I, and, and I would wager triple. I also we'll would there. wager triple. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is a triple entendre joke. I've never heard uh -huh. one of those, and it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I just as an aside, and I'll cut this out, I love that we refused to call Twitter X, but we changed HBO to Max. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more to, like, guide our, uh, like, a listener that's like, where do I watch that? Oh, Max. Right. No, 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 exactly. And I think that it's also, like, a form of resistance because mm, mm -hmm. you know twitter is such a public platform in so many ways yep. oh my god absolutely anyway, you should keep that in anyway. the podcast i like it <laughs> i like okay. it it's true so do you have any general impressions of this episode do you like <laughs> my general impressions sometimes that you know i'm like okay title of the episode title of, yeah. of the episode clearly man on fire is because steed set that man on fire his right. first immolation mm -hmm. but steed flies too close to the sun in this episode as he tends to do uh yeah he got the guy he got the fame he got the respect he got everything he wanted and he bungled it all in true steed fashion mm. so he set himself on fire i i mean i think that there's a there's room to argue about whether he truly bungled everything about it <laughs> yeah true true true. you know true. like i think that there's there's some relationship dynamics in there that you know Make it that mm -hmm. it's not entirely his fault, but I I agree with you that he definitely bungled some of it and that he was, oh my God, I'm so excited to talk about how much of a jerk he is. <laughs> oh, I know. If he wasn't so up in his head about the fame that he may have caught Ed sooner, you know, this all happened very quickly. And it's I was like, uh, there you go. And I think <sighs> part of that is, is Ed's inability to actually cope with his feelings, yeah. Um, yeah. which is understandable, of course, uh, given mm -hmm. that I do the same thing. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I also have to recognize that that wasn't entirely Steed's doing. 
Yes. Yeah, of course. And on my end, if I may, like the, the, the general impressions that I have again, like definitely resistance. Like I've, I had trouble like starting, um, my notes, but at this point I also have fear, like full fledged fear. Uh, and we'll talk about it during the predictions because I, again, I don't think that this is entirely the show's fault. I think this is me being unable to cope with my feelings <laughs> and my past trauma. So yes. I'm being very Ed coded right now. And I, I, I do need to recognize that, but, um, just, I, are we not going to do an episode for next time? You're not even going to walk. You're going to go fish. <laughs> I'm going to go you're fish. Gonna get, I'm get a, a fisherman now because you're I fished once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have baked one loaf of bread. I am now a baker. Yes. Um, yeah, maybe away. maybe that's what I'll do. I'll I'll leave <laughs> podcasting behind and become a baker. Maybe maybe that's you are what I need in the slog of season seven of Supernatural. No one would blame you. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, well, I mean, we'll talk about that too in the predictions, actually, because it's all related. It's all related, Katie. Oh no, I couldn't imagine being in that mindset. You're <sighs> like, <"Ugh." laughs> oh my god, it's it's not a happy time for me right now. Yeah, I'm sure. Are we ready to dive in? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. All right, let's dive in. The episode starts with Ed throwing, quote unquote, his leathers. I didn't know that that was a thing that we would call them like leathers. Um, Yeah. So that's something I'm learning about the leather community. Um, So he's throwing his leathers overboard and he's making breakfast in bed for Steed, who's definitely very moved by this. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ed tells him that it's his way of saying thank you, because on the night that he died, Steed appeared to him as a mermaid and saved his life. I love that he shared that with him. Uh, Mm. I think it's a very important scene to show how good Ed was feeling after they they turned the poison of Steed killing Ned Lowe into the positivity of making love for the first time. Right. Like, I, he might be having some, like, quiet misgivings, but, like, I just, I don't see it as this mistake as he characterizes it, as it later, you know. I think it's important because what happens later, we need to have seen clearly that he doesn't seem to be regretting what he did. He didn't have to make him breakfast in bed. He didn't have to connect with Steed further by telling him about the mermaid. Mm -hmm. And I do believe in that moment, if Ed had regretted what they had done, he wouldn't have shared those things. But he would have kind of gone in on himself a little bit. Right, right. I think think it's also like the way that we're talking about this is also heavily colored by the commentary around, around, you know, like his his regretful feelings later. And I, I fully believe that he does... Uh, have regret later but I, I don't think that it has to do with with what actually happened you know yeah. like as you say he's he seems very comfortable he's doing this he's like I'm like this is who I am now I make mm-hmm, breakfast mm-hmm. in bed for my boyfriend and it sort of seems right. like he's on this re- reinvention thing which we're going to see become a theme throughout this episode mm-hmm, of like yeah. who he is um yeah and trying to find that answer um yeah so yeah i fully agree with you i don't think that he's that there's any regret at this point i think that comes later mm-hmm. um so steed says that he's sure that ed is going to return the favor next time that they're in a de- near-death situation and ed replies that maybe they should avoid near-death situations from now on <laughs> you know yeah um but so steed's response is very telling he chuckles and says not bloody likely in our line of work. Right. Yes. And 
this is where it starts i think yes yeah so it's like oh oh okay nothing oh yeah you're still a pirate captain Mm -hmm. and he's not there yet he's not he's just it's just a little seed that's been planted ed plays it very lightly Mm. but you know it almost you know and i don't know he doesn't really respond to it but it maybe he's thinking that he was going to convince him to not be a pirate Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's also that they do get interrupted yes yeah yeah but i mean like just steed's just not there steed's like, huh, well, no, this is this is what we do. Yeah, exactly. You know? And it's a really light and positive scene, but, you know, I think definitely a seed has been planted. Well, there's definitely, I mean, you can tell, like you said, the seed has been planted for tensions to grow. And again, mm-hmm. because this this season is only eight episodes, it has to grow very quickly. Yeah, um, Because yeah. you have to get them from, like, fully together at the beginning of the episode to, like, not really together anymore at the end. And how do you do Mm -hmm. that? Well, through this kind of arc that Ed goes through in this episode. And, um, and again, what you're seeing is two people who love each other very much, but who just aren't at the same stage of life, aren't in the same Mm -hmm. season of life, not Mm -hmm. because of their age, but just because of their approach. Right. And, and their, Mm -hmm. let's say the stage that they're at in their career, I think would be a good way to look at it in a more like modern, uh, lens. Yeah. It's like the, the guy who just was made CEO who has to do 80 hours a week, uh, getting with the, the guy who just retired and he wants to go fishing all day. Like, exactly. Just wants to go play golf, you phases. know, like, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. And I, it's so funny. We were talking about this. I can't remember with who I was talking about this with, but like I, so I'm, I'm 35 years old. I have a 10 year old, Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm also a grad student. And so I spend a lot of time both with like people my age through my friends, but also with some people who are quite younger than me Mm -hmm. through grad school. And it's interesting because like I am at the, uh, with my friends, I'm both at a very similar age, but very different life stage. You know, I have some people who have just started working as lawyers who are like getting their real, like high paying jobs and like, you know, they're doing things that I just can't afford. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and a lot of them also don't have children. And so it's like interesting to kind Mm -hmm. of see how that impacts the relationship. And then I have like the younger people in my life who are at the same similar life stage, but are so much younger also that like they're really not at the same life stage in that way and they don't have children and so it makes it really complicated to to date really if I'm being honest yeah absolutely (laughs) so I'm really seeing this this struggle for what it is and I'm like of course you love each other and you're also not at the same space in the same space which is okay yeah it happens and it does it work out can love overrule that's a good question I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I don't either. (laughs) So like we said, their cozy breakfast is interrupted uh, by Izzy, who tells Steed that the ship is now docked at the Republic of Pirates. And he adds, (laughs) Katie, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sorry, but when we were watching this, I hadn't quite realized that I would be the one walking us through this joke. (laughs) I love it so much. (laughs) My favorite thing that ever happened. (laughs) Uh, So he says, and I quote, also, it's good to see that it's not just the ship that has been well and truly docked. <laughs> and this joke, like, 
it's funny because ha 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 you know like penetrative sex joke like we get it like it's a mm. double entendre on, on like the docking a ship and like penetrative sex but mm-hmm. docking is a very specific sex act which i will mm. not describe here we'll let people oh, like you know search it let yeah we can yes. let people run that through their favorite search engines yes, just <laughs> and find out please be clear that this will bring up porn so like yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. make sure that you are in a space that is conducive <laughs> to that <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we don't have to change the rating of our podcast. <laughs> right. There you go. Also, so I love, absolutely love the dialogue when Izzy opens the curtain. He has a huge smile on his face and he goes, hi, boys. <laughs> and Steed exclaims, Jesus. But Ed very calmly goes, fuck off. Like He's just like, nah. It just makes me feel like this is not the first time that Izzy has done this to Ed. Yeah. Well, he's like, he's always in my space. He's like the fucking, it's it's like his pet. You know, they talk about Steve being his pet all the time, but Izzy is definitely his pet. Oh my God. Is in his space. It's like, you you know, will you, will you have sex with one of your pets in the room? Probably. You know, will it bother you if the pet sees you naked? No. Right. Like, they're your pet. Like, yeah. And Steve is just like, get your cat out of the room or get your yeah. dog out of the room. He's looking at me weird. Your staring at me. I can't, <laughs> I can't perform in these circumstances. Yes. <laughs> and then he's like, can you invite your dog in the room? No. <laughs> I mean, we'll see that later. We'll see. But <laughs> Izzy ends up leaving and Ed just goes, he's jealous, which like, <sighs> jealous of who? Of what? Like, please be specific, Ed, because mm. like, I personally think that he's jealous he wasn't in the middle of that sandwich. But anyway, like that's that's me. And I will let everybody fill in those blanks. No, I completely agree. And Izzy's eyes were fascinating in this scene mm. because he kind of like grazes them oh. down Ed's body as he says the line about being docked. Like, <laughs> <laughs> also, OK, so I need to set the record, quote unquote, straight. <laughs> I was editing uh episode six last night and i was like i was listening to myself going no i never thought izzy was straight and i was like girl what (laughs) yes you did (laughs) so anyone who listened to episode six who heard me say that i was lying because maybe you listened to season one where i totally thought izzy was straight but you know what's really funny about this katie (laughs) is that like when you said it i was about to argue with you (laughs) But yeah, then, you should have. No, but then I remembered that we had said we wanted to be like more like our 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 friends, like Chris and Jeremy from Monster of the yeah. Week, who'd never actually correct each other, even when yeah. they're like blatantly wrong. Yeah, and they we just thought go that with it was it. they just go on, you know, and because it happens, sometimes you're just wrong and it doesn't really matter. Like just move on. Yeah. And so yeah. I was like, I'll just let it go, I'll just move on. But I was like, Oh, you <laughs> so did, girl. You thought he was straight. I was arguing against it. But yeah, there you That's go. That's so. so funny. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was editing, I was like, huh <laughs> what yeah. why did i say that and i i blame supernatural for how i felt in season one because i just couldn't believe it for yeah, so long i get it i was like no they don't mean it we're just reading too much into it <laughs> oh you did say that a lot actually that's true yeah and so it's like 
I blame Supernatural. And now that I've lived for so long thinking Izzy's not straight, that it just, I blacked that out of my mind. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we were so wrong about Izzy the first few episodes, actually. Yes. Like, I really wish that we could go back. Like, I feel like we have to record a trailer kind of saying like, hey, by yeah. the way, like, this is what we're going to say. But like, we do change our tune pretty quickly. Yeah. Because like, there's some stuff that's said <laughs> in the first few episodes that I'm just like, man, I would never say that again, you know? I don't, I don't know, know if I want to go back and listen. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> to me, anyway. Like, I, I I'm think embarrassed. everyone's first few episodes of a podcast are embarrassing. Yeah, I guess so. That's true. That's very true. It's like a badge of honor if you get through them. Mm, that's very true. <laughs> uh, thank you, people, for sticking with yeah. us on this. Because, like, I'm not proud of those first few episodes. <laughs> so, back to the narrative. Uh, we're now mm -hmm. on the red flag, where we find out that minor prince Richard Baines sent a grandfather clock out to every ship on Zheng Yi's fleet. And both like Zheng Yi and Auntie find it really, really ugly, which I thought was really <laughs> funny, because Ricky did say that the clocks were a gift to, and I quote, celebrate a time of peace between pirates and civilized society, which like sounds like real colonizer racist bullshit to me. And yeah. I'm so glad that like, they were like, it's really fucking ugly. I was like, actually, uh -huh. yeah, it is. <laughs> And if we want to talk about, quote unquote, civilized, uh, yeah. he's saying he's civilized society. But look at Zheng Yi's ships and how they have the towels and the soup and everything's run so well. And yeah, like, it's, fuck you, dude. The term civilized is always mm. used as a dog whistle for colonizer racist mm -hmm. bullshit, period. So yep. absolutely. And and I think that it's done really, it's used really well in this context, right? Because mm -hmm. they have to show what Richard Baines is all about at this point. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and that's who he is. Because you don't see him in this episode at all. That's you see true. the product of his machinations. Oh, my God. Yeah. I hope he dies. Me too. At the Republic of Pirates, we find out that Zheng Yi is recruiting. Uh, and we also find out that Alu still thinks about her and how brilliant and mm. genius she is. Uh, which we haven't heard, right? But we mm -hmm. have to trust that, like, this is going on because it is said to us after yep uh so the polycule jim archie and alu see zheng yi from afar and archie archie tries to say hi but like zheng yi just like walks away like she's just not having any of it <laughs> i love that there seems to be zero jealousy amongst any member of the polycule yeah they, it just seems so chill and nice i know like, I'd wanna, i really I'd love wanna... that yeah uh we're transported to a little restaurant shack type thing outside of the main hub of the Republic of Pirates where Ed and Steed are having lunch and Steed tells Ed about the love letters that he'd been writing him when they were quote unquote on a break as Steed <laughs> would say of course and Ed is like you know letters and bottles isn't the most reliable postal service okay so did Steed Bonnet inventor of walking the plank <laughs> also invent putting letters in bottles <laughs> Oh my god. Steve Bonnet is actually the inventor of love letters. Like you oh, heard yeah. it here first. There you go. Like he invented <laughs> love letters. <laughs> I'll take it. There you go. This is when they're approached by like presumably a group of pirates and Ed immediately thinks that they want his autograph, which is really kind of cute, but they're actually mm -hmm. here to see Steed and they invite him to Spanish Jackie's. Um, they heard that he was the one to kill Ned Lowe and they're fans, you know, of, of his work. Mm -hmm. Um, Ed says that Steed is infamous now and that they should go get that drink. And I'm sorry, I have to note here that Ed seems delighted. 
Yes. He's encouraging Steed. It's a treatment that Ed's received for years and seemingly grown tired of, mm. uh, but something that's novel to Steed and he wants him to experience it. Yeah, I really love that. He's like, we should really go get that drink. Like, I want you to see how it feels to be like, because Ed understands that like, this is what Steed has always wanted, right? Like he's very mm-hmm. cognizant of that. And like, he has picked up on that and he wants to make sure yeah. that like Steed gets to live that experience, which is really, really lovely. Mm-hmm. And Steed is delighted by the whole thing because they also leave without paying because that's what famous <laughs> pirates do. I, I, I love that, actually. I love it. So we're now at Spanish Jackie's and we can immediately see that Steed is having like the best time, right? Like this is what he's been hoping for, like since the moment that he walked into that bar in season one and he finally gets it now. And Mm -hmm. Ed starts off the evening like pretty close to him, like giving him tips about how to act now, now that he's famous and what to watch out for. And it's just really like taking him under his wing like you need me i will help you like it's really really lovely you're so right that it's just like when he first went in the bar in all white he expected that kind of treatment but i'm also oh my god you're so right i didn't even think about that scene i was thinking about that scene where he gets back home and he's at the bar with oh, his like no, okay no i do friends. know that one too but no yeah when he walked into spanish jackies the first time he's like hello it's me yes <laughs> man for sale man for sale and and he had like lucius present him and everything and everyone's like who the fuck are you yeah and now everybody knows his name mm-hmm. oh it's cheers it is cheers <laughs> like they know him they know the gentleman pirate they know the persona mm-hmm. oh my god yeah. Uh, so this scene was really funny because just like the scene with Taika's kids last episode, I wonder if the scene is kind of alluding to the concept of like Taika being like the bigger name here and then Reese getting to be like really well known because he's oh. leading the show and just kind of like, I, and not a huge aside of that, but like Taika directed a Marvel movie. Like yeah. he's, he's like a big name and like Reese is they've been friends for years but like he never got like taika's level level of notoriety i'm sure Mm. and he's like let me give you some tips (laughs) i kind of love that i think again like there it it seems like there are some storylines that really um that speak directly to some of the actors stories i'm thinking specifically about jim and vico Mm -hmm. Uh, also thinking about izzy and con um yeah you know and here taika clearly like i mean we've yes clearly yeah it's It's just a little too on the nose not to have some sort of grounding in the reality and there's a really cute bit about the paparazzi you know know. (laughs) yeah especially taika has definitely uh struggled with that over yeah you know in in his career Mm -hmm. so i think that's uh that's also quite accurate yeah um yeah, and, and I think it's also such a beautiful example of using fiction to work out stuff that's happening in your real life. Yeah. Um, you know, which is something that's very important to me. And so they're they're doing that in real time on this show. And I just absolutely yeah. love that. Yeah, I really like it. So the crew's a little unsure about like walking into Spanish Jackies, but when she sees them, she makes an announcement that they like 86th Ned Low and she like <laughs> welcomes them in and it's like this really unexpected moment for for the crew it's so cute um also for anyone who doesn't know 86 is a restaurant code for removing something from the menu when they run out of it so are you for 86 real? something yeah you didn't know that no i had no clue i thought it this was... okay oh my god now i feel like a terrible person i genuinely thought it was like 
police code for something and i was like why are they bringing the police into this like this is so fucking weird sorry but yeah i i just like i thought that that was that that is so funny that it's a restaurant thing yeah i worked in a restaurant uh starting when i was a teenager and like if you ran out of baked potatoes it takes two hours to bake potatoes right and so they'd run in they'd run out and they'd tell like the lead uh expo person they'd go okay 86 bakers meaning you can't sell any more big potatoes like you need mm-hmm. to tell everyone that we're out of this menu item so they're out of ned low items i love that I and love when you it. say 86 it means to kill it or remove it or oh, whatever wow. yeah mm-hmm. i love that thank you so much for telling me this no problem. i wasn't gonna bring up the police thing because i was like this is just yeah. too weird like i don't even want to make that comment but like this is so interesting 187 is the code for homicide, like the police code for homicide. So I could see where, you know, yeah. Well, I don't know. I know that they use like numbers for whatever. And Mm -hmm. I just, I don't get, I'm not interested in that enough to look at it. So I was just like, whatever. Yeah. Um, No, it's a restaurant term. This is so much better. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So the Swede pours them all his signature cocktail, which is a sweet and spicy. I will do everybody a favor and not try to pronounce it in Swedish. Uh, and I somebody quote, said it didn't translate. Somebody to did sweet say spicy. that. Yeah, which <laughs> again, like, oh, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll let the Swedes actually deal with that. But I, mm-hmm. but he said it's just like his wife, which I thought was quite lovely. Like they seem so happy. They Geraldo do. seemed miserable. Yes. <laughs> Yes, Geraldo didn't quite seem to have a good time as Jackie's husband, but I really, really love that the Swede is. And like Lucius also remarks that like the Swede is super hot, which like he yeah. really is, you know? Like Which so is Lucius. It's amazing oh, what happens yes. when you're in love. <laughs> oh my god, that's very true. Mm-hmm. And I you know what? You know what? Mm-hmm. I also want to highlight here that Lucius has he still has the cigarette on his ear, but he's not smoking. And so I'm choosing yeah. to see this as healing, which really works with your yeah. comment about Lucius's glow up also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, I yeah. love that. I love that. I love that they're yeah. healing. <laughs> <sighs> this makes me so scared. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Okay. I got to calm down. I got to calm down. Um, I'm not panicking. Um, <laughs> so this is when Frenchie realizes that like there's money to be made and he enrolls Pete in his plan. And I just love that the show is finally addressing the difference in dialect between the members of the crew, because mm-hmm. Frenchie tells Pete, like, this free drink shit is for the birds, meaning, like, it's, like, small <laughs> potatoes or small fries. It's, like, it's unimportant, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Pete doesn't get the expression because he's not from the same part of the world as Frenchie. And he goes, do birds like drinking for free? <laughs> I love Pete so much. It's just something I could have heard the Swedes saying, you know, do birds like drinking for free? (laughs) I think I saw on Twitter someone had an interaction with the actor who plays Pete Mm. at the con at at New York Comic Con. And they they both agreed that um, Black Pete's playlist would have a lot of Creed and Nickelback (laughs) on it. (laughs) I mean, considering that the actor who plays Pete, who's Matt something, is Canadian. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense. I really like him. This is this was particularly funny to me because lately, like I've made two friends who are British and who have British mm-hmm. accents and who use British, you know, expressions. And mm-hmm. one of them was watching uh, Our Flag Means Death, actually. And she texted me at one point. She's like, oh, God, Khan is stalkers. And I was like, 
what, what the, the heck, heck is starkers <laughs> and so i had to look it up <laughs> But it actually means like stark naked, like full on naked. Oh. And I was like, oh, yes. Is he's, he? he? No, he's not. But like he, he's shirtless at one point when he's doing like that. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So she was, was like, like, oh, where? he's stalkers. <laughs> That's funny. And so I really related to Pete because I basically almost asked like, do birds drink for free? Like drinking for free. And it's just it's embarrassing when you don't know expressions. Yeah. Um, so I felt seen by Pete yes. in this moment. Yes. I love him. Um, Ed and Jackie are talking and Jackie figures out that Ed is like in a like if I was a normal guy phase, which Ed says mm-hmm. might not be a phase to which Jackie asks him if Steed knows about this because like he just became like, in her words, the motherfucking man. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think this is really where Ed starts to question the relationship. Yeah. Um. Because Steed is really having the time of his life at the bar. Like, there are people who are literally, like, pouring alcohol down his throat. Like, he's screaming that he's a sea god. And, like, Mm -hmm. Ed is there, like, in his natural fibers, being asked by the Swede if he's a poor now. (laughs) (laughs) Which, again, like, it just really highlights that they're in such different places, right? Yeah, it really does. I I hate it because it's, like, all unraveled so quickly. Yeah. Like... Oh, but again, like you said, there's only eight episodes. It has to. There you go. Like they they only ordered uh, Max only ordered eight episodes. Right. And so there has to be some stuff has to happen really quickly. Yeah. And that was one of those things. Yeah. So I just feel like Ed is so relatable here. Maybe just to me personally, because Mm -hmm. I get the feeling. I totally get the feeling of making a decision about yourself for yourself. And then when you encounter other people and they notice and remark upon it, you feel like too seen. Right. Like I even reached out to you a couple of weeks ago because I was doing something for myself. And I was like, I don't want to tell you what it is. And I don't want to tell anyone else, but I need to tell someone, but I don't want to tell you what I'm doing, but I'm doing something. (laughs) And you're like, okay. I was like, all right, that's cool. I still don't know what it is, by the way. No, you still don't know. And that's fine, right? Like, I fully respect that, but I I get what you're saying. Yeah. But like, I have a very personal like thing about that. Like, you have to, you feel like you have to justify what you're doing and you just kind of wanted to be this new version of yourself and you didn't want it to be a big deal with everyone. Mm. Like... I completely get that. And sometimes I don't want to be noticed at all. Like it has stopped me from doing things in my life, right. uh, knowing that if I do it, someone will remark upon it. And I just, the, there's just something about it that just, just kind of, even if it's positive and supportive, mm-hmm. like there's just something that makes me want to crawl into a hole. And it could be something as small as like, if I dress a little nicer than usual, my yeah. boss will always say something about it. And oh, I'm like, yeah. God, just Stop it. You know, it just, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I just want to go home and put sweatpants on and be like, never mind, never putting makeup on or anything again, because then you're going to ask me about it. So, you know, a a lot of times it's very tied to my physical traits and I can't stand it. But, you know, those are the things you can't hide. So anyway, it kind of triggered me. Like so many people questioning Ed's new look. Like I literally won't change my hair or style or want to lose weight or anything because like someone will comment on it. And like when I was pregnant, I hated it because you can't hide this big pregnant belly and so many people want to talk to you about it. I mean, you're in the grocery store line and people are like, are you dilated? And I'm like, did you just ask me the condition of my cervix? Like, (laughs) excuse me. Was it an accident? Are you asking me if my husband and I wear 
like condoms like what what are you asking me you know Mm. what i mean like they're so invasive and the only reason they know about it is because you have a belly that you can't hide you know like i I don't i have a personal problem with it clearly no i get that yeah it's 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 kind of like announcing something to the world that you didn't necessarily feel the necessity to announce yeah and i mean i so i mean i i had my own issues with with pregnancy i was working retail at the time and people would actually walk up to me and touch (laughs) touch me and i and they would get so offended when i would just take a step back and be like hi how can i help you Mm -hmm. um but like i think for me what you're saying like i relate to it the most when it comes to my gender identity and my pronouns Yes. Because, um, I mean, I, I don't see myself as a woman and I know that people read me as a woman, which is fine. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not offended when people do it's, it's, it's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. but if I had to describe my gender, I think it would be more like near like gender fluid, gender fluidity, like Mm -hmm. gender, maybe I don't, I don't know. I don't quite know actually. And, And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's totally fine. I know that there are a lot of people who 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 are in that same in that same ship in that same boat, um, mm-hmm. and and I feel like whenever I I put out my pronouns because it's kind of like a thing that you do in academia, like yeah, people all have their pronouns in their <laughs> in their signatures, and I don't like to do that because then it's it's like immediately them kind of starting to wonder about what my gender identity is yeah Mm -hmm. um and so i have my my pronouns in my twitter bio uh which you know again is fine but i just don't love it when people start remarking on it and i feel like yeah yeah, like it's a it's a personal thing and i the way that i perform gender is different from the way that i feel or Mm -hmm. uh experience gender so I still tend to perform it quite femininely especially lately um Mm -hmm. but I I don't I I, yeah there you go and so this pronouns thing is like I don't need you to comment on it like just use them or don't whatever right right Um, but there's no need to start a conversation with me about it I don't want that no I get that yeah and and you know something that's being done to make people feel more at ease it doesn't necessarily make you feel more at ease. Like, you know, it's a hard thing. Cause then, you know, on the other side of the coin, if like I transform myself into something fabulous and everyone, I've trained everyone not to ever comment on it. I'm like, hmm, okay, fine. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like there's a different, and, and because there are those moments where you want to be recognized. So like there yes. are those moments where like people talk about queerness and gender nonconformity and they like completely mm-hmm. exclude me and I'm just like yeah but I'm technically a trans person too like yeah <laughs> I fit here too I know I uh, but know. but I've been yeah but I, I have been so secret not secretive but like private so, private thank you private yeah. about it not because it's a secret but because it's sacred right like that whole yes. thing um yeah right so thanks for that conversation Katie I appreciate yeah, no, that thank you yeah I have a very like I'm and people around me are like, oh, okay, I don't know when to comment on it, when to not. And I'm like, yeah. I'll tell you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> like, exactly. I don't know when it's okay for you to do it either. I just have a weird thing about it. I'm sorry. Exactly. I know I'm this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I want you to see me, but just don't comment on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I get that. So again, back uh, to the narrative, Alu is reminiscing like all the good times with Zheng Yi. And he's saying that like, 
She looked at me like I was a worm, to which the Swede asks if it was as devastating (laughs) as it was arousing, which I mean, the Swede is an enigma to me. Like I will, I don't think I will ever understand him fully. And I love that I won't. I I love that about him, you know? Yeah. Um, I also love that Alu is coming to him for advice about how he managed to please and to keep Jackie happy. Mm-hmm. It's such a huge glow up for the Swede from how he was so infantilized in season one. I'm so proud of him. Mm-hmm. It just kind of shows like when things click in your life and you find your place in the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's so true. And I feel like this is something that is happening for a lot of characters this season, right? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, the Swede is finding his place, but you know, Buttons arguably has also found his place, you know? Yeah. Ed is looking for his place. Steed is looking for his place. Izzy is in the process of discovering where his place actually is. Izzy is is wedging his place in. (laughs) (laughs) One might say that he's docking his place, but anyway. Yes, yes. Oh, anyway. Yeah, all and Olu is is very much looking for that space too, and, and I just I really love that about the the overall narratives this season. Yeah, yep. We briefly move outside of Spanish Jackies, where Jim is telling Zheng Yi that Olu talks about her all the time, mm. which again is something that we haven't really seen on screen. But again, I'm gonna mm-hmm. blame it on like the eight versus ten episodes that yeah. I still think we sh- we deserved. We deserved ten. We should have gotten ten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm not blaming mm-hmm. the 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 show for this. Like this is not a right. show issue. Um, they did whatever they could with the time that was allotted to them, and that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Jim says that like they and all who are like anchors for each other, their family, which is honestly so nice to hear during a season where like we didn't get that much like documented interaction between mm-hmm. them, you know. Also, do you know where you also hear the term anchor? I don't actually. I mean, on ships, I assume, but <laughs> yeah, well, on ships, yes, but specifically in polyamory. Really? Sometimes, yeah, one will assign the term anchor or anchor partner to the person who is like their central person, but not necessarily their only person. So Aww. like polyamory can kind of be like a group of people or there can be a hierarchy. Oh, yeah. So obviously, if there's a hierarchy, then the person kind of at the top with you is your anchor person. But like sometimes even in a more equal like group setting, you still will have an anchor. Mm hmm. And so that term really just kind of like, like, oh, what? Mm? Anchor? Mm? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love that they sprinkled that in, actually. So I didn't, I I didn't know that. And I really love it. I mean, I'd heard without hearing the term, I knew about the dynamic. Um, Sure, sure, sure. But yeah, apparently that is a specific term in polyamory. It's not always used, but it is used sometimes. And for them to put that in the show where they've so clearly alluded to this polycule is just further evidence of that to me. Again, I think we discovered throughout the process of watching this show that it's never inappropriate to assume Mm -hmm. queerness or uh, non-heteronormativity. You know, like, it's never inappropriate to assume that, but Mm -hmm. they... We assumed it, and then they kept providing further evidence for it. And it was like, okay, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I really love that. I really, really love that. And again, yeah. that's why I'm so, so, so motivated to go back to season one and rewatch, mm-hmm. like, really through that lens. Yeah. Um, 
So I love that. Thank you. Thank you again for bringing that knowledge into the podcast. I love it. Um, Luckily, Zheng Yi does agree to meet with Alu at Jim's request, and Auntie warns her not to make herself too available. Also, Jim doesn't look like they would kick Susan out of bed for eating crackers. Oh, no. Jim's like, you're welcome, queen. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's add a queen to this polycule. (laughs) I love the way that they look at the queen. Like, Uh I I just love it. Like, there's something there that I adore. And I'm like, Archie's Archie looks like she's always looking for a good time. Yeah. Jim looks like they want to eat susan alive like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. I agree. yes that's so true i love it I oh love goodness it. yeah i love that too i love that too yep. we cut to ed who's watching a fishing boat on the docks and izzy <laughs> shows up and ed like asks him if he knows what he did this morning bright and early and izzy replies <laughs> major boyfriend blush and i wasn't gonna bring this up because it's not really integral to like moving the story forward and i tried to keep like the notes to a minimum but i had to highlight that they're both smiling in this moment like for ed whatever he did to make steve blush this morning is a happy memory Mm -hmm. and for izzy seeing ed happy makes him happy you know what i mean like there's there's like this really beautiful moment of like these two guys like thinking about this and just like smiling yeah and i watched it really closely like ed isn't giving a rueful smile like yeah yeah ha ha like he's like yeah i did (laughs) yeah he's like yeah i did there you go and that's why i'm saying like it's like the regret comes a bit later but like i don't Mm -hmm. think he regret he actually regrets like what he did like i don't think he sees this truly as a negative thing Mm -hmm. um so, because like we get all of these little, yeah, pieces like these little like crumbs that like no, mm-hmm. he actually quite enjoyed it, you know. Mm-hmm. Izzy says that he does know because like he saw him throw away his leathers, uh, <laughs> which again, you know, spirit of the ship, he's always around. Yeah, and when he said, I saw you, Ed said, of course you did. And I love that Izzy is truly the spirit of the ship and the first mate who takes notice of everything. It seems like it's the hardest job on the ship. Like, if you thought about, like, Buttons in season one, Buttons was the one who navigated them and told them where they were going and, you know, Mm. planned all this out. And Izzy has taken over truly the job of first mate. And he's, like, running around making sure everything is okay. (laughs) He notices everything. He does. I mean, he always did, right? But like here, yeah. it's like, it's to a point where you know that he's also, he's not only looking out for like the ship and like the, the pirating of the ship, but he's also mm-hmm. looking out for like the emotional temperature of the crew. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like when Buttons told Steed that a mutiny was brewing. Yes, exactly. He's like, oh, gotta go yeah, warn you, someone. You gotta yeah. go take care of that. Yeah. Um, and Izzy tells Ed that like, if it felt good, he should be listening to that, which I really loved. And sure, he should listen to his gut if not being the Blackbeard feels good. But does it mean that he can't exist on a pirate ship? I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm conflicted because Ed deserves to not have to live on a pirate ship if he doesn't want to. And Steed deserves to be a pirate if he wants to be a pirate. So... I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I totally get it. Uh, I don't think that Izzy meant this in a way to say, like, go be a fisherman and leave tonight, you know? Like, I I think that that was probably, like, the furthest thing away from Izzy's mind. Like, I I don't think that that was the goal. Um, 
However, you do have someone who is whimprone, who will panic, and who has trouble expressing their emotions. Uh, and, and that's just kind of like the perfect storm, really. Yeah. So again, yeah. none of this is surprising to me. Of course, yeah. Ed is going to take this to the most extreme possible meaning. Right. Um, because he's in a place right now where he's unanchored to a certain degree. He's ungrounded. Yeah. Um, so I'm also getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I know, I know. But but I, I, I see what you're saying. I agree with you. And I think that that's the whole point. Yeah. Uh, we do cut to Steed, who's telling some pirates of like the tale of killing Ned Lowe. And he said that like he and Ed are a partnership and they take turns making decisions. But like when he looks up, he realizes that Ed's not there anymore. Which is so funny because Ed hasn't been around him for so long yep. that it kind of shows that Steed thought he was just tagging along somewhere as part of his adoring crowd. Right. And he, so, I mean, like, Steed really gets blinders on when he gets some notoriety, just like in the pub, mm. it, you know, back at home when he returned and everyone wanted to talk about all his adventures. Yeah. I just, ugh, I mean, we've Steed. seen Steed do this time and time again on this relatively short show. Yeah. Um, so this is not really surprising. Like, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, this is perfectly sure. within the realm of his character. And it's also so incredibly infuriating because he has not learned. Right. Well, and his pride is his number one sin. You That's know, true. his, he, even when he told him about, you showed up to me as a mermaid, his first question was, how'd I look? <laughs> He's so vain. You know, he's so vain. <gasps> oh. <sighs> oh my so. God, that's so true. He is so vain. <laughs> he is so vain. And um yeah. and of and we love him despite this, right? We love we him do. because of it. And and yeah. and I was at a I was at a conference actually this weekend where we talked about like what it means to either like accept yourself as a flawed person versus like mm -hmm. striving for perfection and I, I you know there was a lot of interesting conversation coming from a crowd that was on the average much older than I was and to kind yeah. of see how they grapple with like those ideas but something that came out is like you know we are we're all of us have flaws, right? But that doesn't mm -hmm. make us flawed necessarily. Right. Um, and I, I kind of appreciated that uh, because it seems like that that is definitely a flaw that Steed has. And um, yeah. perhaps working on that could lead to improvements in his life. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to even keep this in the podcast, but it just reminded me that... Um, so my marriage improved greatly when I realized and accepted that my spouse is very selfish. Mm. And it's not a great quality. No, certainly <laughs> but not. I'm an extremely loyal and giving person. My first question is, can I, who, who can I take care of before myself? What can I do to help other people at the detriment of myself, at my, my health, my well-being, everything? Mm -hmm. And his isn't. Like, even when it comes to his children, you know, like, yeah. it, it, even with just small things. Like, I have this weird thing where, like, I love sweets. I have a sweet tooth. I, I love sugar, whatever. But if it's my kid's favorite food, 
I don't eat it. I don't even crave it. I don't want it. Mm. Even if it's something I really like because I want to keep it in the house for them. Yeah. My husband will just plow right through it and eat the whole thing. And I'm like, <laughs> <gasps> you know, but even more, just even more insidiously and even more broad scope. It's always what about me first. Yeah. Even when I like spend money on the kids, he's like, uh, what about me? I wanted this thing and I wanted this thing and I wanted this thing. And you, you spent our money on them. And I'm like, yeah, they're our children. And I I used to just kind of, I used to just kind of like grapple with that and be like, what is going on here? And finally, one day I was like, oh, and in front to his face, I was like, oh, you're selfish. Like your Mm. first question is what's in it for me. And that's my last question. And I was like, and he's like, and he kind of got his hackles up. And I was like, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not judging you right now. I'm just, I'm just naming. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying what I see. And I, I, you know, to me, like someone who's selfish, that's a bad thing, right? It's not great. But like right now, let me, let me assign it as a neutral thing. Like, yeah. If you're asked a question, you know, if you're asked to do something and your first question is what's in it for me then you're a selfish person neutrally, just neutrally. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you're looking out for number one over all else, that that's some selfishness, you know? And like, and so once I had that realization, it kind of helped me uh, not argue with him as much. Like, of course, I don't like that behavior. Right. But like, I understand that that's where it's coming from. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, okay. Of course he would react that way. Because he's selfish. You know? There you go. And, and I think like if we bring it back to Steed, like, of course, he's going to react that way because he's vain. Yes. And right. he loves the so attention. And he's an attention whore, you know, like, yeah. of course, it's not a great quality, but it is it is part of who he is. And right. to a certain degree, to a certain degree, that is also what attracted Ed to him in the first place. Yes. And I think yeah. we also, especially in relationships, and I'm saying this as somebody who is not in a relationship, so I am, mm-hmm. you know, take that as you will. <laughs> yes. In relationships, <laughs> we have to be very honest with ourselves about that because the things yeah. that we love about our partners do end up being things that we dislike down the line. Uh, that's exactly what, what did, who said that in the show? Oh, uh. Oh, Mary wasn't, it, wasn't it Anne and Mary? Yes. Yeah. Yes. She said all of those charming things <laughs> will become annoyances. Absolutely. And that's kind of what's happening here. Like, Steed mm-hmm. annoys, like, I don't know if he annoys Ed, but like, he definitely annoys me, you know, in yeah. that one. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> and selfishly, I'm like, you're annoying me. I don't like you. Yeah. I want to leave. But like, you know, and I think what matters is how then we react to this feeling inside of us. So like the way that Ed will react to it is to leave because he's panicking, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though he says he's not. Um, yeah. But somebody with a bit more emotional maturity might be like, okay, so this is how I'm feeling about this. Yeah. Can we talk about it? Yeah. And maybe let's not feed his ego like I have been all day today. (laughs) Maybe that's not a great thing. (laughs) Exactly. Like what role did I play in this situation? Right. Like what role did you play? What role did I play? But again, I feel like that's Mm -hmm. a conversation that can be had if you Mm -hmm. have the emotional maturity and the the emotional tools to get through it, which Ed does not have, Uh, which we understand. Right. We get it because that's Mm -hmm. one of Ed's flaws that he is emotionally, emotionally immature. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So is Steed in different ways. Yeah. But there you go. I'm telling you, do you see why I can't go to therapy? Because I see everything for what it is. <laughs> and I just choose to be here anyway. <laughs> So we've gone to like couples counseling and they're like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's this, this, and this. And they're like, okay, so do you want to do this? And I'm like, no. <laughs> okay. All right, then. <laughs> well, if you, you're, you're open eyed, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're choosing this. <laughs> yep. I get that. But I mean, I feel, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Fully yeah. get that. <laughs> so out of the blue somebody screams steed's name uh saying that he's gonna kill him and like he breaks who's like, this guy <laughs> uh, right exactly like but that's the thing we, we don't even know who he is like he's a nameless man like we never yeah, find yeah. out who this person is <laughs> but he's like really passionate about wanting to kill steed bonnet <laughs> yeah. uh like he breaks like what is presumably a bottle of rum on his own head uh, and okay. then steed like grabs somebody's lit cigar and just like tosses it at this like nameless man <laughs> and sets him on fire and like everyone cheers and like he is mm. so delighted by all of this right like this is a, a like an absolute ego feeding moment yeah. and because th- this is what zero humanity zero yeah. whatsoever and like oh. he leaves to go find ed to tell him about like his first immolation mm-hmm. right and this is where, like like you said earlier, Ed is like, oh, your first one. I'm sorry I missed it. Which, again, is such a different tone from what happened, like, the night before with Ned. Right. I don't Let's Let's assume the guy survived. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, let's hope, I guess. I never thought of it that way. I kind of thought that he died, but. No, I did, too. But, like, what? This inconsistency is really puzzling to me. Like, I. I was thinking back, like, I don't know, this, like, hit me like a shot. I was like, wait a minute. Ed killed somebody in the first episode of season two. Yes. Because when we were watching, like, and I don't think we remarked upon it. I don't know. Maybe we did. But, like, when we were watching it and we, he had the nine guns and all the knives that yeah. the person he didn't want to be, he's drawing his weapon and shooting someone. Mm-hmm. So, like... All I know is like the first kill, you know, he was he was worried about the first kill. The first like, kill in cold blood is what yeah. he was worried about. Right. But like, I would argue that that wasn't his first kill in cold blood. It was a crime of passion. Right. Mm. Like, I, I don't know. It, it was it's just I don't know. But we see that, you know, the Ed from the end of season one who had never killed anyone by his own hand, which is arguably not anything to brag about since he has ordered many people killed and said Uh, something about lighting an entire ship on fire. Exactly. Like, Like, how can you possibly say, like, yes, uh, yes, that is. I have to say that I also kind of struggle with this inconsistency because Mm -hmm. I'm like, but, and also the change of tone between one episode to the next about, like, killing people and the importance of human life, right? Like, which... Again, like because of of the absurdity of the show, I'm totally mm-hmm. willing to put like the sanctity of human life aside, even though like yeah. I absolutely do believe that like human life is sacred in a way that mm-hmm. like I have trouble verbalizing. But yeah. but it seems like going from one to the other like so quickly, it, it does give me like whiplash a little bit. It's pretty jarring mm-hmm. to me. And this is one of those where like he was like, you know, he's really told him like don't kill ned 
and yet mm-hmm. here he's just like oh baby sweetie bye your first immolation and i'm just yeah. like this is weird this is so weird to me because yeah. either or works with me but mm-hmm. the two together seems weird i, I agree I mean, with you one could argue that he has distanced himself so much of his mind that he's like yeah good for you oh your first one yeah whatever. for sure for sure for sure but i want to point out when ned uh uses the hot poker on steed in the previous episode ed is the one screaming i'll kill you i'll kill yeah. you yeah. and if ed is the one who got out instead of steed do you think he would have ne- let ned live I don't know. I don't I don't know. I really don't know what to say about that. Again, because yeah. Ed has been so inconsistent with that. And yeah. I, I I'm not sure. I think this is one of the first time that I'm actually going to question the show. But like I don't know if this is something right. that is built into the design to show how inconsistent Ed is as a person mm-hmm. versus if it's like a flaw of the show. You know well, what I mean? Like I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't mind either way. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm willing to put that aside again, but I, I think it's important to talk about this. I think it is too, because we are, the goal of our podcast is to dissect this show. Right. And if ultimately it boils down to David Jenkins doesn't think it's a big deal that Ed shot Izzy and yes. chopped his leg <laughs> off, then right. ultimately why, what are we doing here? You know? And so he's framed it as this is an office comedy where your workplace just happens to be early 1700s piracy. Mm-hmm. Like, so... But which, I took, which is consistent with Ed being like, aw, your first immolation, but yeah. is not consistent with Ed, like, telling Steed, yeah. you know. But is it... Yeah, exactly. There you go. I know. I, I have trouble. I think the only difference is, is when everything, all threats were neutralized, he just didn't want him to kill him that way like yeah there was no passion it was very calculated mm-hmm. but I, I, but it's so inconsistent like yeah the guy just t- called him a low-born dirtbag and again like i said last episode the last person who insulted him like that got his skin peeled off by fang at mm-hmm. his best like yeah. I, so it's okay if you do it but it's not okay if steed does it which i think is the point i think so too right i think so too which is i'm already flawed but you're my perfect little baby it it i i I was gonna get into it later but like it reminds me of when ed shaved off his beard in season one and how that affected steed yeah steed killing someone is is had the same reaction like oh i ruined him that was Mm. me i did it yeah it it gives me like you corrupted him with your touch. Like from the moment Cassiel laid a hand on you in hell, he was lost, you know, like it, it's got the that. very touch of you corrupt, the very touch of you corrupts. Thank you. That's the line I was looking for. Like it's got those vibes to me, frankly. Yep. Yeah. 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 You know, he has spent all season turning beautiful things, ugly, uh. the wedding, you know, and he said, oh, there, I did it again. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Oh, that's really yeah. painful. Um, this is when Ed says that he's told Steed that he wanted to take things slow and that it's been the complete opposite and that last night was a mistake because he's not ready for whatever this is. Um, the conversation ends with Ed saying that he's leaving to become a fisherman and Steed calling him a coward. Um, I don't think I need to go line by line in the conversation Mm -hmm. because we're 
like, I'm assuming that we're probably going to do that as we talk about it. So like, I guess let's like unpack that conversation because there's so much and we've been talking about it this entire episode because it's been leading up to this, right? Like this is like to a certain degree, really the climax of the episode where it's like, oh my God, things are really coming to a head here. Yeah. Like, so, okay. So the first thing that Ed says to Steed is so accusatory, like his tone. Mm. He says, you know, I said to you that I needed to take this slow and it's been the complete opposite. And that was his tone, like, yes. like, you did this. And it's like, and I know that he knows he can't completely blame that on Steed. Right. Of course he knows that. And so yeah. I, I feel like this this conversation might be like you explaining how Steed is feeling and me explaining yeah. how Ed is feeling, <laughs> um, which yes. I'm totally okay with because I think what's going on, and this is entirely me projecting, okay? Like, mm-hmm, I will be very mm-hmm. honest with you. This is literally a conversation that, like, I have had with partners in the past, um, (laughs) almost verbatim, except for the fisherman part, but like, (laughs) it's, it's, it's so fascinating to see it like as an observer, because what I'm imagining is going on in Ed's head is like, you know, so he says, I told you I wanted to take things slow, but what I'm thinking he's thinking is like, this is, I wanted things to happen a certain way. And I couldn't help myself and you didn't help mm. me help myself. Whereas you usually mm. help me help myself. Yeah. And, and Steed could be completely fair to be like, dude, you're giving me the most mixed signals I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. Absolutely. Throw me a bone here. <laughs> Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Um, and and S- Steed is trying to get clearly trying to get Ed to tell him what he needs by saying this can be whatever you want it to be. He's laying it all out on the table. Yeah. He's like a fling, uh, the best, you know, the most romantic love story that ever existed. What What do you want? Tell me what you want. It's it's uh, the notebook where Ryan Gosling is screaming yeah. in the rain. Tell me what you want. Exactly. <laughs> no, but I totally agree with you. And then the line that comes after is like, I don't know. I don't even know who I am. Mm. Ugh. Okay, which I'm going to try to be really, really strong and not cry. But like, (laughs) this is like, because Steed is saying like, this could be whatever we want it to be. And Ed is like, I don't even know who I am. And you're Mm -hmm. asking me what I want. I can't even know that. I can't begin to know that, to tell you this, when I don't know who I am in this relationship. How do I know what this relationship is when I don't know who I am? (sighs) But he knows he doesn't want to be a pirate. Yeah. And it's like, so, Steed, are you willing to not be a pirate with him? Like, you, and I'm sorry, but for Steed, it, there's so much more to it. He has a crew. He has a ship. Of course, they can go other places, but, you know, they depend on him. He's a leader. Mm-hmm. So is he going to go be a fisherman, too, just to be with Ed? Yeah. Like, And that's kind of the thing, right? This is where... Somebody with a bit more uh, emotional maturity, emotional tools mm-hmm. would have said, like, I'm feeling very confused about this because of the different places that we are in life. Um, it's scaring me and I'm not sure how to handle it, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, Ed just doesn't have that. And 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 he's like, you know, I, I think that this is really interesting. He says, you're the toast of the town. Everyone wants a piece. And this is like he made mm. him toast this morning. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, you know, he took a bite out of the toast and he's like, is this just what it's going to be? Like, am I always going to have to share you with other people in this way? 
Like, mm. am I going to have to efface myself to a certain degree? Right. Like he's, yeah. he's, he's taking like one scenario and being like, this is what my life will be forever. Yes. See, I tell that to new parents all the time. My friend just had a baby mm. and I don't think I've told that to her yet, but I will. Don't worry. Cause <laughs> anybody who has new babies and they're just like, Oh, I'm just so tired. And they do this and I can't. Yeah. And I'm like, you are in the trenches right now. Yes. The way they are right now is not going to be the way they are in three months. It's not going to be the way they are in a year. And it's not going to be the way they are in five years. You are going to look back and be like, Oh, that was hell. Yeah. But it's not forever. So stop acting like it's going to be forever. Exactly. You know, get through it. It's something that you have to work yourself through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the whole thing, right? Like you're panicking. No, I'm not panicking. Like I, because he, he really thinks I was going to say, I think I'm really seeing this. (laughs) This is not (laughs) much I'm projecting, but like in that moment, like you really think you're like, I have never had more clarity in my life. You know, like Mm, I have fished mm -hmm. one fish in my life and I will go and become a fisherman. Oh my god. Because it's it's a fantasy. <sighs> the grass is always greener. He thinks it's going to be, you know, calm and serene and yeah. like he has this fantasy in his head, I don't know what, of being a fisherman and having this relaxed life and it's like, well, Fang went and fished. Why can't you be the little fisherman on the revenge? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just I think that he feels like he's not good for steed. He corrupts Steed. Mm. I mean, the only reason Ned Lowe went on his ship was because of Blackbeard. Otherwise, he would have been left alone. That's true. And it's, like I said, just like when he saw Ed without the beard. And in season one, Steed had to leave to realize that he was already where he belonged. And then Ed needs to do that, too. He kind of did that in season one with Calico Jack, where he's like, you're always going to find out who I was. Yeah, exactly. And then he leaves. And then he comes back. Like, exactly. I just, this is kind of what they do, and I kind of want to kill them for it. This is going to be my first immolation, by the way. Because I'm going to kill them. I'm going to set them on fire. <laughs> Which one? So Which frustrating. One? Which one? Both of them. Both, Both of them. <laughs> they can burn together. <laughs> this is the point in a fanfic when you're reading that you want to knock their heads yeah. together. Yeah. And I think, <sighs> and again, I think like Ed is dealing with like all or nothing thinking right now, right? Like, which. Yeah. Sometimes, like, it, it, it can be because of neurodivergence, it can be because of trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, like, it can be for a lot of reasons, but, like, he's truly, mm-hmm. like, I'm either a pirate and with Steed and dealing with yeah. all of this, this is what it is, very rigid thinking, right? Yeah. Or I'm leaving to be a fisherman. Like, these mm-hmm. are my two only options <gasps> in this world, which, like, so. again, with a little bit less urgency and a bit more talking, mm-hmm. there would be room to talk about it, to, to, to talk about boundaries, to, to discuss and to compromise. But this is where also like the conversation with buttons comes to mind. Like you can actually change who you are. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like you can, it's okay to change. You are, and in order to love people, you do need to change. Maybe it is what he said to him. And he's like, well, I tried that and it didn't work. I Mm. tried to change and my past still caught up with us. Yeah. And it still turns Steed into someone that I, you know, didn't recognize. Right. That I implored not to do the thing that I asked them not to do. Like, don't do this, please. And he didn't listen to me. Yeah. And he's and he's having an issue with that. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's valid, but it's also like, you met me 
when I was wanting to become a pirate. Like, what do you, what do you want from me? I want to be right. a pirate. Exactly. Like, that's how we, like, that's yeah. who I was. There you go. And now you want to change, but I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the conversation does devolve, right? Like, where it's yes. just like, it, then it becomes about the fish and then it's not about the fish, but it's everything about the fish. It's everything yeah. about fishing. And I'm like, this is not about the Iranian yogurt. Like, this yes. is, <laughs> this is not actually about the fish. Like, I'm very much understanding that Steed is right in this moment where it's not about the fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And he tried, you know, so when he asked him, like, why did you leave? And he said, and this was, you know, in season, uh, or what episode was that? Whatever episode where they finally get to talk and he's like, what, you know, you left me. And he said, I panicked. Yes, exactly. And. And now he's saying, you're panicking. Yes. Ed, I see this for what it is. You're panicking. He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's like, yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's also because like, and again, <laughs> fully projecting, but we know that Ed is not always like mentally well. And so right. he does have these episodes uh, that are uh, quite challenging for him and mm-hmm. the people around him. And mm-hmm. I think that hearing like you're panicking must sound to him like somebody telling him like it sort of sounds like you're having an episode and he's like absolutely not i am not i am very clear-minded right now Mm -hmm. like i and i again i get that it's (laughs) like it doesn't help anyone with anxiety for you to tell them they're being irrational (laughs) like yeah you're catastrophizing right now well (laughs) fuck you yeah right Exactly. I try that so hard when my daughter is like in the height of anxiety and I'm just like, you're being so irrational, but I can't tell you or else it'll yeah. just it, set you off. Get your hackles up. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, I think I think the worst thing to tell me in these moments is like, you should really calm down. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. Anyway. anyway, I think we've thoroughly tapped this well. We might go back into it, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, some stuff is probably going to come up again. But like, I, I, I yeah, I, I knew that this was going to be a longer conversation just because yeah. of how much there is in every single line. Right. Do you think it's cutting of him to call him a coward? Like, do you think that was like a bad choice for him to like yell that at him? Like, Oh, I, I mean, okay, like, let's let's be real. Steed is drunk at the moment, right? Like, yeah. so he's probably mm-hmm. also not making the best uh, decisions. He's drunk both with alcohol and with yeah. power and admiration. Um, so he is certainly not making his best decisions. So was that yeah. a good idea? Probably not. But I do think that Steed is projecting, like you said, his um, his decision to leave in at the end yeah. of season one and. Uh, mm-hmm. He sees himself as a coward for having done that. And so he's kind of like yelling it back at Ed because he's like, you're just yeah. doing the same thing to me that I did to you. And you're a coward because we talked mm-hmm. about this and we said we wouldn't do that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. OK, because I'm always really careful when I argue not to call names because it's right. just so uh, I don't know. Uh, what's the word? I don't, it's disrespectful. It's- it right? is disrespectful. Yeah, I don't like it's like don't you don't call names. Right. Like you can talk about your actions, you but like when you call someone a name, you're like summarizing their entire mm-hmm. being as this thing and you're just like no 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 no. Like mm-hmm. you're a bitch, you're a coward, you're a psycho. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're crazy. It's mm-hmm. like no no stop it. Don't do that. Like if there's more nuance to this. And so for to just to call him a coward. Who? Like I I didn't like it. I was like, "Steed, 
That's I, not how that needed to end. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, no. Like, that's the last thing he heard you say. Yeah. Like, that's another thing that bothers me. Like, what's the last thing he heard the love of his life say? Yeah. Call him a coward. Mm. Like, come on. Bad decisions were made yeah, in this entire conversation uh, for a lot of reasons, yeah. all understandable, but yeah, it creates this situation that has completely devolved <laughs> so yeah. incredibly fast. Yeah. Yeah. So we're briefly on the red flag, like very, very briefly. It's just a little insert where Auntie is telling the crew to put the ugly grandfather clock below deck. And it's just kind of like a reminder that the clocks are still around. Do you think that made the destruction more devastating? Because if it was up on the deck, that it would have just kind of exploded. Yeah, maybe. But since it's like below deck, it like the whole ship would go under. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I was, you know, yeah. it's it's interesting because like we don't know what the clocks are at this point, right? Yeah. But like we know that they're important. And yeah. one thing that I had noticed, and I didn't actually talk about it in in the and Bonnie and Mary Reed episode, is how many clocks there are in that episode. Mm. And I was like, you know, like clocks, clocks have meanings uh, in, mm -hmm. in filmmaking. And a lot of the time they're about either the time that passes or the time that is ticking, right? Like there is only yeah. a finite amount of time left um, and, and we're kind of doing a countdown. So it's either like showing the passage of time or showing you that there's very little time left. Yeah. And I, at that point, I was kind of wondering, like, what are they telling us here? Like, is time mm -hmm. running out? Right? Like, I was kind of thinking yeah. about that. Like, and I know that David Jenkins has said that exact phrase, like, time is running out on this way of life. And I'm like, that's, mm -hmm. oh, Ooh. man, like, I don't like that, you know, <laughs> made me feel really nervous. So back at Spanish Jackie's, Frenchie is selling planks, um, and Pete is selling Gentleman Pirate signatures, which are being made by Lucius, Love and it. Wee John is tattooing Steed's face on someone, Love it. I just love, love, love that they are, like, making lemonade out of lemons. Like, I love yes. them so much, all of them. <laughs> uh, Steed is back with his new admirers, uh, trying to make himself feel better about Ed leaving, obviously. Yeah, he's so ridiculous. He's like, you all like me for me, which is like the opposite couldn't be more true. They're Ugh. only with you for your notoriety at this very moment. A hundred percent. Like, yeah. Steed is just like lying to himself in this moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so Izzy gets to the table and this like huge man called Steak Knife tries to keep <laughs> him from approaching. But like the second that he realizes that it's like Mr. Hands, he lets him through. And then... It was like 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> Five five, but yes, he does look really tiny <laughs> next to steak knife. How tall is Con O'Neill? I on. think five six. No, well, it's funny because there was I think there was something on Twitter where on if you Google him, it says he's like five seven or five eight, and people are like, uh, no, he is not. <laughs> Really? Because they were showing pictures of like their selfies with him at, uh, at conventions and they're like, I'm five four and he's like a, an inch taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my short king, I love you so much. Yes. Oh, I love him. Okay. Uh but yes, okay, so maybe he is like shorter than I thought. Uh but yeah. either way, like steak knife is just like listening to him like and he didn't even need to say a word like you yeah. see like a powerful izzy in that moment which is really whew. i love it uh, mm -hmm. yeah me too uh, i don't know where we are in the notes oh steve <laughs> here you go thank you 
<laughs> okay, I'm going to need a second. Visions of Izzy swimming <gasps> through your head. Yep. So then Steed tells him that, like, he can say whatever he wants in front of his friends, but Izzy just looks at Bill and tells him to fuck off, and, like, Bill fucks off, like, immediately right. also. Uh, so, like, again, everybody respects him and listens to him. Like, he is also famous. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's handling very, very, very differently from Steed. Yeah, because Izzy is actually terrifying, and oh they've seen God. him handle himself in many situations, and, like, Steed is the shiny new toy. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, it's like Woody and Buzz. It's yes. like Woody and Buzz Lightyear. Oh my God. Oh my Steve God. Is Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> I, just, I just picture it. I can't believe you just Izzy. did that. I love I'm it. I'm just picturing Con O'Neill. Howdy, partners. There's a snake in my boot. <laughs> It gives a whole new meaning to you got a friend in me. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh my god, I love it so much. (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) People who've never seen Toy Story, which, first of all, how dare you, but second of all, are going to be so confused right now. (laughs) Okay. 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 I can do this. Mm. <laughs> so, um, Izzy tells them that he knows what happened and that Edward left him. And again, like, I assume that this is a conversation that we're going to unpack together oh, pretty yeah. seriously. So I'm not going to read it out, but like, it's, it's just, it's a lot again that's happening here. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> first of all, he makes a dig about the, his little horsey leg. <laughs> I was like, oh, Steve, oh, I can't believe you Steve. went there. Like, I oh, know. my God. <laughs> a little bit of the uh, old vitriol for old time's sake. Exactly. Like, yeah. it's like all of the time that they spent together, like the second that Ed, like, becomes a a, a question for Steed, like he's, he becomes very insecure, which I think because is interesting. Because a threat. Izzy is a Izzy threat. knows him better than him. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or, I mean, a threat in, in the sense that, like, if, if you're looking at it as, like, it's either or, right? Like, if right, you're looking right. at it through, like, a purely monogamous lens, then yes, he is a threat. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if we don't, then he doesn't have to be, you know? Exactly. Just saying. I So I really like, so he says, so unprompted, he says, for the record, I think you're good for him. You balance each other out. Took me a long time to realize that, but I do now. Yeah. And so, like... <sighs> Izzy has seen them both apart and he's seen them together. I love that he can admit that they are both good for each other. Like he loves Ed, but Ed alone or Ed with only Izzy is like maddening, chaotic, dangerous. And so while Izzy might prefer to have Ed alone, what Steed brings out in him makes Ed a better person and one you can live with. Mm -hmm. And so that break between the season one finale and the season two premiere proved a lot of things to Izzy Hands. I honestly, I fully agree with that. And again, like I can't, I made a joke about like, cause I'm making, I'm, I'm saying it humorously that like this, he is only a threat if we're looking at this purely through a, a monogamous lens, but like, mm-hmm. that's kind of what this conversation is hinting to, yeah. to me that like, this is, uh, you know, and I think we, there's, there's like room to talk about this, that like they're in this kind of relationship, the three of them that where they're establishing boundaries with she with each other in this moment right mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, because what follows is like, well, a lot of good that's done us. And then Izzy says, yeah, well, you know what he did when I told him I loved him. <sighs> and together they say, he shot me, he shot you. And Steed says, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Who told him? Right. Okay. So he didn't say, you know what he did when I confronted him on the deck about his behavior. You didn't, he didn't say, you know what he did when the crew had finally had enough. So Steed knows that Izzy confessed his love to Ed and Ed shot him. They said it at the same time. Yeah. Like you said. So mm-hmm. who did he have this conversation with? Ed or Izzy? Yeah. Because the only person who he- heard Izzy say, I have love for you to Ed was Ed and Izzy. Yeah. So yeah, there were no other he, witnesses. Whose conversation was this? <laughs> I, but again, like, I think that this show is giving us a lot of stuff to think about, about what mm-hmm. happens when it, things are not on screen. Yes. Um, and I think that this is... But I is... want to know which one. <laughs> Maybe both. It changes things. Maybe both. Maybe both. You know, like, I think that this is the first time... Actually, it sort of sounds like this is the first time that Izzy and, 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 and Steed are talking about this. That's true. It is true. Yeah. So it would make sense if, if Ed, you know, like talking about the things that he's done and he regrets most, because we know that like the things that are top of mind when he's talking about the things that he did wrong when Steed was gone is Izzy's mm-hmm. leg, taking Izzy's leg is like the thing that I think he regrets the most. Yeah. It's the only thing that he's truly apologized for, actually, this season. Yeah. Did I just I so. Ed and Steed most likely have this conversation, and I just have to point out that Izzy still never heard Ed say he loved him. Oh. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you. But you did. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they had a conversation behind the scenes. Oh my god. Uh, okay, let no. me make a note for the anyway. things to add to the prediction segment. <laughs> Fuck my life. Oh my god, no. I hope they don't do that. That'll 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 kill me. That'll kill yeah. me. <gasps> oh no. Yeah. I know what you're saying now. Ooh. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to talk about with this specific conversation? Um because I, I again, like I'm you know, we know that David Jenkins has said that these three men are on an arc together. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that this conversation between them along with, you know, what we've seen them do together in in that episode, like where Izzy Mm -hmm. is training Steed is kind of like showing us that they are developing a a relationship uh, among the three of them. And that in order for them to be together, whoever them is, there needs to be conversation between Steed and Izzy, Izzy and Ed and Ed and Steed. So it's interesting because we're asking these questions and to explicitly point out that there has not been a conversation with the three of them. Right. At all. Mm-hmm. It's always either Ed and Izzy or Ed and Steed mm-hmm. or Izzy and Steed. Like it, there's no, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think they all need to have a conversation. And, and again, I think I there. would say like that he's a complicated man kind of explains mm. that too, because I think that, Right now, at the stage that they are in their relationship, talking the three of them just is too complicated for them. Yeah. 
And I think, you know, like, again, depending on what we get in the finale in season three, like there is room for that. There is room for those conversations to be had between the three of them. Mm hmm. So we're back outside and Jim takes Alu on his date with uh, Zheng Yi and they tell him that this is probably like his last shot and that it's worth it. They say that in Spanish, which I thought was really cute. And wow. Alu says that like, he's sorry that he left and that he felt like all this talk about killing his friends was, a, was a, like just too intense for him. Right. And like, yeah, Zheng says that he doesn't need to explain. And even though she's had a hard time with trust, like she missed him. And really that's what matters. And like here we're seeing a similar situation to Ed and Steve, right? Where like they were mm -hmm. able to talk about things like Alu is saying like, yes, I fucked up by leaving. I got scared, but I do care about you. Mm -hmm. And on her end, Zheng Yi is able to put her ego and possibly her trauma aside too, right? Like, yeah. One does not become a pirate queen without accumulating some trauma. Um, right. But And she's able to be like, I get it. And the most important thing is that you're here now. Like, imagine mm -hmm. if Ed and Steed had done this <laughs> from the get-go in season two, you know? Like, mm -hmm. maybe men really are so fucking emotional. Auntie is right. Mm -hmm. Auntie is right. <laughs> Honestly. Well, and I like, I like how the juxtaposition of how bad Ed and Steed and Izzy are are doing is always juxtaposed with the crew. Yeah. So Lucius and Black Pete are the healthy relationship, yeah. the healthy marriage proposal. Everything's going good for them. Uh, Alu and Susan, everything's going good for them because of communication. Again, so is Black Pete and Lucius. They, they mm -hmm. communicated. Buttons had a goal to love something and needed to change and buttons changed. Oh, and buttons. so like you look at all of these crew members doing the work and doing the communicating and doing what they need to be doing and comparing that to the leadership of the, of the ship and not doing so great. That's so true. That's such a good observation. I love that. So they're back at Spanish Jackie's and Izzy tells Steed that he needs to be back on the ship. And like it, it just has like this, all right, hun, let's get you home kind of vibes. Um, I have to point out that we cut from the scene between Alo and Susan where they're like fumbling and gathering courage to hold hands to a scene where Izzy literally has his hand on Steed's thigh. Just, oh, I know. You know casual intimacy like hello and that's the thing like and it's not like they're like super close right like he has to the, the, our short king has to extend his arm in uh -huh. order to get to steed's thigh and i think that that like you said casual intimacy like it shows it, it echoes like what we saw when he was just like in his quarters you know like just there yeah, present just there. like also like this echoes what la vie en rose is about like it's about casual mm. intimacy so, so do you think he's like, oh, so who was your previous first mate, Bettens? Okay, did he did he tell you about about the sleeping arrangement? Oh no, no, he didn't. Oh no, all first mates sleep with their captains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you all are co captains. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So I'll sleep with both of you then, because like, I mean, that's like pirate code. What is so. what is that called? That's not calypsoing them. What is that? Like it's izzying them. Like yeah, it's handing them. No. <laughs> I just like he's like no 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 like I'm a I'm your first mate so I'm just always gonna be here for your every need. Hello, oh hi. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Um, 
uh, we need to move on because yeah, I'm unwell sorry. right now. <laughs> I'm unwell. Let's go to AO3. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whew, okay. Alu tells Jim and Archie that he's going to leave with Zheng Yi. And like mm. as surprised and sad as Jim looks, they also accept Alu's decision and they look really genuinely happy for him. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how maybe bringing like Jim and Archie on the ship and like how the sleeping arrangements would work. And like Jim <laughs> says that they can share, which like, of course they would say that. Like they're very excited at that prospect and they're staring like at and the queen. Archie, <laughs> Archie makes a very specific gesture that's like, points to Alu and is like, I mean, yeah, we have, we've been. Yeah. And like makes this very, like, yeah, we, we've been sharing. We've yeah, all been sharing. Like absolutely. so far. So like, if you just want to join in, yeah. we're game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it's this like, open invitation to be uh-huh. like hey do you want to be part of our fucked up sleeping arrangements like- <laughs> works for us <laughs> works great for us we love it yeah this though is when steed interjects like and he's telling Zheng Yi that like uh she should back off from his crew and then alu is about to tell him that like he's actually leaving with her when steed goes a to alu which like as <laughs> as a supernatural fan who was on twitter on the night of june 24th 2021 <laughs> i screamed when i heard it like yeah. i messaged you immediately i was like a to alu no <laughs> oh my god Hashtag #bravo you coward oh coward <laughs> you coward oh no. steed the coward <laughs> Is Steve Jared? <laughs> I think so. So anyway. <laughs> things do escalate from here, and Steed grabs his sword. So they cut to Izzy at this point, and he's watching, but he's like sitting, and he does not look happy. He kind of sighs. <laughs> and you hear, like, you hear this thump. Thump yeah. throughout this scene because he got up to stand behind Steed because, you know, mm. well, he's my captain, so I'm going to have to stand behind him. Right. Yeah, that's very true. And uh, Zheng Yi tells him that he should go spend some time with his serial killer boyfriend. And she adds, mm. or did he already leave you again? And Steed is like floored, right? Like jaw on the floor. Um, yeah. Like, who told you that? And she's really surprised because she didn't know. <laughs> uh, she's like, I was taking a shot in the dark, but like, oh, yeah, figures. So mean. Um, I know. I, I was like, oh, that's. That was a little too astute for the yeah. situation. Zheng. So Steak Knife threatens to hurt her. So she does a thing to him where like she punches him a couple of times and like he dies. Like, does he die? I think he dies. Okay. So yes. So the, I think this is an homage to the five point palm exploding heart technique from Kill Bill. Oh, have you ever, have you ever I seen, Kill Bill? seen Kill Bill? Which is like okay. a big failing of mine as a... Oh, as no, a film no. student. But whatever. Um, so so there was, there's this whole thing thing and like they get trained by this they get trained by this master of martial arts and he supposedly never taught Beatrix Kiddo the five point palm exploding heart technique and then Mm. come to find out spoilers for a really old film that it turns out he did and so she does the five point and so it's you you hit five pressure points and then the person gets up walks away and then after five steps they fall down dead because their heart exploded no basis in science, of course. Uh, listen, I'm just going to say buttons is a bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like, I, this is all we need to say when we're talking about, like, science or, like, accuracy mm-hmm. on this show. Like, buttons is a bird. And, and, that's, yeah. and that's fine. And I love that. Yeah. Right. 
I loved what she did. The the whatever she yes. did. The kill bill thing. Well and it's it's the mystique of like, oh, someone who has a completely different culture than us and like mm. can just kill you. Like it's like the Vulcan nerve pinch, you know? Yeah, it's like sure, sure, sure. you know, that thing where these people who seem to be way more intelligent and skilled than us and it's like, oh, we're just barbarians with sword hacking each other away and she can just like <laughs> Right. <laughs> and you're dead <laughs> yeah I, I mean i think it uh, yeah for sure i agree with you yeah. um and and izzy is impressed right which is saying something mm, um mm-hmm. steed is devastated by this loss <laughs> He's like, um stinky stinky no <laughs> <laughs> he draws his sword and you just see in the background and, and the camera doesn't even focus on izzy like you just see him like out of focus in the bra- background going like oh bonnet no <laughs> which honestly like i have never related to anything more in my life because i used to have this boyfriend who would always get himself into like <laughs> situations when we'd go out oh, to clubs no. and like keep in mind this was like maybe like mid to late 2000s right so like this mm-hmm. was like a lifetime ago almost and the number of times where i said oh brent don't <laughs> Of course it's Brent. Of course it's Brent. Like, it's just, like, Izzy is me and I am Izzy. Like, I felt that because I knew that I was the one who was going to have to pick up after him. Like, right. Not to mention, he just met the guy like two hours ago and he's like screaming over his body and wants to kill (laughs) him over it. Stakey, no. Fight, steak knife, fight. Come on, Steed. Yeah, I get what they're doing here. You know, you surround yourself with sycophants and yes men and like they mean more to you than the people who you have actual relationships with because it's what keeps up your persona. Right, 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 right. I think I I also kind of saw it like as how sometimes like a rebound breakup can hurt like so much more than it should because like you're still carrying the pain from the previous relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It sort of felt like this wasn't so much about steak knife dying as it was about steed feeling abandoned again by somebody he Mm. thought loved him right Mm -hmm. yeah Um, like that's kind of how i saw it but i agree with you in the the sycophant and yes men things it makes sense too Mm -hmm. uh so steed and jing yi fight and she tells him line that i love i've killed mediocre men i've killed exceptional men but you're the worst kind a mediocre man who thinks he's exceptional and I think maybe actually I'm going to recant what I said earlier and say that that's <laughs> probably the most relatable thing I've heard in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, a hundred percent, like as much as I do love Steed, like this is him to a T. Um, he throws something at her in this moment. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he proves that he's a mediocre man who thinks he's exceptional because all she has to do is duck uh, after he said something to tip her off and she's fine. So like, like, listen. He's like, oh, yeah, would a mediocre man do this? Uh, and like, yes, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. like he tells her that, you know, the thing about being being mediocre is like no one sees you coming. But like she clearly and easily does in this yeah. moment. Right. Like and, and that's kind of the thing. Like Steed has been incredibly lucky until mm-hmm. now. But in this moment, like he's trying to test or maybe leverage that luck and it's just not working for him. Mm hmm. And the thing does end up hitting somebody else, and that person throws something at Archie, which obviously sets off Jim, and then a brawl is starting. And and mm-hmm. we see Izzy hitting someone with the chair, and I, <laughs> I like, 
I'm not usually turned on by violence, but that did it for me. I was like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> you know who stuck out for me in this episode or in this brawl was Alu. Because, like, he seems like such a gentle person and he, like, slams someone down. And it's like, oh, no, no, he, ah. has, to, he has to hold his own in this fight. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I mean, he's got people he cares about in, yeah. in here, right? Oh, that's so yeah. true. I didn't even notice all of I'm so sorry. Oh, you should watch it. Just, it was right I, after Izzy hit somebody oh, with a chair. Oh, maybe that's why. That's all you saw. <laughs> just like, oh, like, my jaw. I was too busy picking up my jaw from the floor. I couldn't <gasps> notice all of I'm going to have to I rewatch it. <laughs> I did have the vapors, absolutely. Um, and Jackie comes down in this moment, and she is absolutely mm. not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, we have another insert here of like one of the grandfather clocks on uh, one of Zheng Yi's fleet uh, before we, the quote unquote, take this shit outside at Jackie's request. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be a surprise to nobody, but Steed is like just not winning this fight, and Zheng Yi tells him that like if he says mercy, the fight is over, and the entire crew is like, Steed, just say it. Right? Like, this yeah, is kind of like yeah. us when we would go out and we'd be like, Brent, stop yeah, it. Like, just on. chill. Like, let's leave. We're going to go, like, get some air. Like, it's fine. And Steed goes, mercy. And then there's like communal relief among the crew. Like, everybody is like, oh, thank God, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he goes, Boku. And they all, they're <laughs> all just idiot. so frustrated with him. Like, <laughs> everybody is thinking, oh, Bonnet, no, at this point, right? <laughs> And by the way, let's take a second, because I thought that it was an absolute unhinged move to have Steed say anything in French, like just one episode after Izzy <laughs> sings in French. But like, again, what do I know? Clearly my mind is is in the gutter when it comes to steady hands. So like, whatever. He's such a fucking idiot because he had one move when he was down, which was he threw gunpowder in Izzy's face in season one. Yes. So <laughs> yes. that's it. Right. So it worked. Yeah. And Izzy forever will hate that. But he already pulled the move inside the bar and she ducked. Yeah. And so now when he says Boku, mm-hmm. he's again tipping her off and he doesn't even come close to hitting her. He picks up with what's like dirt or dung or something and he throws it and it lands like three feet to her left and she just looks over. It's, it's, it's it, like, I mean, it's embarrassing, right? It's like it's so embarrassing. It's, I mean, dare I say pathetic? Like it is. Right? Like and I, I don't mean to say that Steed is pathetic. You're like, you're so outmatched. Right. But I like this really feels like this is and 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 that's and this is where she starts beating him with the plank, right? Like Yeah. And then I was like, oh because it reminded me of like Netflix's Daredevil. And in that in that show, like the well, Daredevil will literally go out, pick a fight, and get himself beat up when he feels like he deserves some kind of punishment. And it's like, is Steed feeling so badly about himself that like he feels that he deserves to get beat up in this case? I it's so interesting because I did not see that at all because mm. I felt like he got high off of his own supply today. Everybody was pumping him up that he was like the best pirate. Yeah. And he's like, I can do anything. Mm. Like, shut up, Steed. You're ridiculous. <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely see that. I guess I'm trying to find like a more generous 
sure, sure. reading of this. And I'm kind of wondering, like, is he is he self-sabotaging the way that we've seen Ed self-sabotage in, yeah. in early season two, right? Like doing all of those things to try to get himself killed. Like, is this what Steed is trying to do? Like, is he trying to get himself killed? Oh, like, I don't know. know. He's an intelligent man. He should really be able to tell when he's outmatched. Like, come on. But that's the point. If he knew. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. So like, yeah. to your point. Yeah. Because I'm still working it out. Sorry. Like, I'm hearing what yeah, you're, you're saying. Fine. And I'm like, I, 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 I and that's <laughs> it. Right. Like, that's, that's, that's Maybe. what's going on, I guess. Like, anyway. Maybe. Maybe it's a little both. Yeah. Either way, we get another insert of the grandfather clock as it strikes midnight and it explodes. And like, all of them explode. Like, all of the grandfather mm. clocks that minor prince Richard Baines had given to Zheng Yisao explode. Like, so mm. presumably, that sinks her entire fleet. The ones that she has went and found that were hidden on land that we never figured out what was going on there. Mm. Like, yeah. It's, so hopefully we find out next episode. Yeah, like it's all gone. And there's also cannons that are being fired at the Republics of Pirate. Everybody's running. It's pandemonium. Like... And it ends the fight because she drops the plank. Everyone goes scattering. I mean, what a way to end the fight. I was surprised that the that the Republic of Pirates was being fired on because I thought, oh, this is just to take down Jing Yi Sao. It's not to take down all pirates. But no, no, no. She's recruited almost all the pirates. And mm -hmm. so this is to truly and well get rid of all the pirates. Well, for one, and it's also like he has been minor Prince Richard Baines has been very clear about his intention to end piracy. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, right, it's like, yeah. and so obviously, like piracy has become has come to mean something to us when it comes to like expressing yourself in a way that is not within the norm. Um, right. particularly when it comes to queerness and, and gender expression. And so we literally have like this head of state who is saying like, I want to kill all not conforming people. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah. And he's, he's, you know, he's well on his way to do that at this point. And like most, like you said, last episode, like most politicians, he dabbled in it a little bit too. So he's yeah. not completely innocent of the things he's accusing people of i mean that's normal typical Most, uh, typical yeah i was gonna say yeah. um yeah so all right do we have any final thoughts predictions what do you got okay so all right so i watched the trailer yeah um all our faves are going to be united again against a common enemy we should be very very clear hold on can can we just say yeah. before we start that we are going to talk about spoilers right so yeah this... the, so yeah we don't have any like knowledge but we've seen like clips and trailers and like uh stills so right. we're gonna use so if you don't want to if you don't want to be spoiled by any of that then go ahead and that's that's it for the podcast. Thank you so much. Like, find us on Twitter, yes. gentlemen, P-I-R, the number eight at yeah. <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, all, uh, that. all of that stuff. So just so you know, we are going to talk about this. We're, we don't have any inside information. We're using what's publicly yeah. available. But if you don't want to immerse yourself in that, if you don't want to speculate, don't listen to this. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's speculate. Yeah. Um, so what we see is that Ed's back. He gets his letters yep. back. 
somehow. Yes. <laughs> cool. Buttons is a bird. Uh, Doesn't matter. Buttons is a bird. Yeah, whatever. Buttons, I swam down and got it for you, baby. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I would actually love I know, that. I know. I, I think know. he's going to fish it out. Like, yeah. I think that when he's out fishing as a fisherman, the thing mm-hmm. that he fishes out is his leathers. And that's going to mean something to him. And it's so funny because I used to be like, hey, we only have 30 minutes. Hey, we only have 30 minutes. But look how much they did in that one episode where Izzy was training Steed. They like did two raids. Yeah. Izzy trained Steed. Like it all happened so quickly. And I was like, oh, wow, they fit a lot of stuff in there. There's, so, yeah, yeah I, he's got... He's got to go from being a fisherman back to joining them. He gets his letters back. He finds what looks like to be the letters in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. And reads that. And I think maybe it rekindles like, oh, you know, he, you know, Steed loved me this entire time. And what I made the biggest mistake in my life and blah, blah, blah. Because Steed will probably be saying in those letters, I made the biggest mistake in my life by leaving you. <laughs> well, you <know>? again, <laughs> it, it, it kind of comes back to the notebook where, where he's like, I wrote you a letter every year for a year, like every day for a year or whatever. Like, I can't remember mm-hmm. the line. But I yeah. think him reading that is definitely going to put some things into perspective and also like make him realize, much like the conversation between Alu and Zheng Yi, that like at the end of the day, it matters that he loves Steve, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you know, I think, yes, it felt good to throw out the letter, letters and he should listen to that, but he should also listen to the fact that it feels good to be around Steed. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, it's so interesting to me that he gets his letters back. Like, it's it's one thing for him to go back, but like mm. to, to get his letters back is, is so interesting to me. I'm like, uh. but if he fishes it out, I think that it would be like a big symbolism thing. Like, oh, it was always meant to be. I mean, I, but again, does it have to be either or, or yeah. can it just be like, this is who I am and I am also not limited to that because that's right. kind of the thing that Ed is trying, is really working hard to move away from. It's that all or mm-hmm. nothing thinking. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to be all Blackbeard or no Blackbeard. He can be right. a mix of that. He can be Blackbeard when he wants to be. He doesn't have to be Blackbeard the pirate or Ed the fisherman. He can be Ed the pirate. Absolutely. Yeah. But there you go. Like, it's kind of like you can reinvent yourself and you can be who you want to be. And the fact that he doesn't know who he is, like, means that he's got a blank slate. He gets to relearn who he is and who he wants to be. Mm -hmm. This is so powerful. So at the end of this all. Yeah. Steed and Ed reunited is a given. I would say. I agree. Yeah. 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 To me, it makes sense. that, And, and I, I, I do believe that David Jenkins has said that they end in a place that is satisfying. And the only place that would be satisfying is if they are together. Right. Yeah. There was an episode description. That oh, said this is going to. Okay. All right. We're going there. That there was going to be a devastating loss. Right. And there's a moment in the trailer where Ed is has his hands covered in blood and then there's a behind the scenes photo and the person who's laying down has the blue sock on so we clearly think that it's Izzy because that's a digital effect sock that he would be wearing and so a lot of people are theorizing that Izzy will die and if Izzy dies I'm going it's a given I know how you're going to feel about it but I'll be very upset my perspective is that, like, even if he seemingly dies and we find out next season that he was alive, it's just as bad. It's just as bad because you're going to have to go through, like, two years of, like, mourning. 
and you'll finally accept it and then you'll watch the third season and you'll be like oh he's alive but like i'm sorry i already went through all that grief yeah. right um i really was hoping not to cry <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> no no we have to talk about it we have to talk about it because it uh, like if i'm being honest with myself and i need to be honest with you too like i mm-hmm. if izzy dies like i don't know that i'll be able to continue doing this podcast frankly and, right. and i know how right. that sounds like of course he's just a fictional character um but like i mentioned the supernatural trauma is real and mm-hmm. i i can't watch another like disabled queer traumatized character die on screen mm-hmm. um like it was so hard to to move past the supernatural ending yeah um so we're talking about this as like if that happens uh it will be very very challenging yeah and and that is the speculation there's also behind the scenes photos of um somebody being carried and like the crew uh standing around a grave uh and izzy is not a part of the crew i didn't see that oh no right uh to be fair there are other missing crew members uh from the group that is there Mm. um but yeah if you put those things together i think it's easy to string together a narrative where izzy dies um do you think there's anything that they could do in the show that would make it okay? No. At this point? No. Not yeah. for me anyway. Like, and I, I, I don't you see know. it. Yeah. Well, because, because he is a disabled queer person who just last episode, you know, found community and family and, you know, in a very non-conforming <sighs> way, like, you don't kill those people. I, you shouldn't <laughs> please you shouldn't. don't because they die yeah. in real life you know like yes. this is and this is kind of where i need to kind of like rein myself in because i know that i'm panicking the same way that ed is panicking about mm, the show. yeah yeah do you want me to watch it first and then be like don't, mary don't watch it mary Maybe. don't watch it <laughs> you're gonna need to get up really early i know <laughs> <laughs> I probably will. I don't I think I'll sleep a week. I don't It'll think I'm like going to be able to sleep. I might stay up. Oh my god, this yeah. is going to be the worst. Um, but to come back to this, um, this is where I need to rein myself in because, of course, like like I said, the supernatural trauma is real, and so I'm I'm listening to that very much. But there's a few things that I do want to mention here. Number one being that this is a queer writing room. We've known yeah. this from the beginning. Um, and so they know, uh, and, and one of the things that, again, like David Jenkins has openly talked about is how traumatized this audience is when it comes to queer stories. And, yeah. um, you know, one of the things that he said, it was like basically a promise to us that like, this wasn't going to be like the other stories that we had seen before. Yeah. And it feels like Izzy dying would make it one of those stories that we have seen before. Right. So I'm um, I'm really banking on the fact that they are very self-aware. And again, like there are queer people in the writer's room. They know the the personal significance that like seeing Izzy and drag had for viewers for Izzy and as as and I'm reading off of like an interview with David Jenkins for Con O'Neill as well. Like so it it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense to me for this writing team 
to kill off this particular character. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I need to remind myself of that as I'm going into this, because that's also, that's also a very important part of the reality. So if we want to interpret those things that I mentioned as a way that like, in the best case scenario, uh, well, first of all, of course they have to carry Izzy because he can't run with his horsey leg, right? Right, like, right, right. So he needs his community. He is dependent on his community in order to get him from like wherever he is to wherever they're going if they're trying to get there fast. So that mm-hmm. makes sense to me. I'm able to, to, to think about that. And with what we talked about when you said that Ed never said that he loved him, maybe mm-hmm. Ed needs a little bit of like, seeing Izzy almost dying in order to say it to him Mm -hmm. that how much he really cares about him. I also think that that line about whatever, whatever this is, is just going to turn me on (laughs) could be an interesting thing to kind of play with. um, Yeah. In, in this episode, if they're, if they're, you know, because again, I I feel like this is another like thing that like why are you saying this if you're not going to make it pay off at some point right and some people are saying sorry just to kind of like close that out like uh, in the best case scenario because i talked about the worst case but like to me the best case scenario when it comes to izzy is that like it's the revenge actually that gets wrecked because that's Mm -hmm. the whole tagline of the show for the season like get your ship wrecked you know and so maybe what's in the grave is actually like the unicorn the dead mm-hmm. unicorn from like mm-hmm. uh, from the ship. So there you go. That's kind of like the best case scenario. Right. And then like, obviously, because Izzy is the spirit of the ship, then there's that lesson that like, yes, the revenge was home, but home really is wherever Izzy is, wherever we are, right. you know? Right. So I think that that would leave people like in a really satisfied place. Like that would satisfy me narratively. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to ask you like, okay, so it clearly says a devastating loss. If it's not Izzy, who? And so, you know, if it's if it's not the ship and if it's not Izzy, who who could we stand to lose? And uh, none of them. <laughs> like, I was going to say, like, the only I, I none of them. I don't want any of them to die. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, OK. All right. We're going to we're going to turn this poisonous thinking into positive thinking. <laughs> and we're going to say, no, I reject whatever all this bullshit is. And it's going to be lovely and wonderful. And then I'll watch it first. Yes. <laughs> and then I'll tell you if, if, if you're safe. safe to watch it. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> I just need to know that he doesn't die. Like, that's I know. Like, I, I don't want to see him die. I don't like I don't need yeah. to see this. Because we hear stories every day of queer traumatized people, mm-hmm. disabled people dying. Yeah. You know, at the hands of literal hate crimes, which is literally what's happening right now. Like this guy, this uh, minor prince is saying that he wants to erase all queer people, all all pirates. Like, yeah. you're not going to have Izzy die at the hands of a like of a homophobe. Like, are we not are like, we're not mm. doing that, are we? Like, we're not. Are Please we? tell me we're not. And again, yeah. it comes, I'm so sorry, but it comes back to like what we were saying in one of the intro episodes where they're talking about like defying expectations. Mm-hmm. Please defy my expectations by having Izzy yeah. live. Please. Right. <sighs> but see, and that's what scares me because he has the big speech. It's about belonging, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, that's such a barrier gaze thing where they give a big speech and then they die. And it's like, we're so traumatized. Please don't do this to us. Mm. And maybe they won't. But, like, we're so scared of it. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, 
Okay, we got to stop yapping at this point. Like, I think we're done. Yeah. But Okay. We'll see. We will see uh, in just a couple of days. Damn us for doing this episode so early. I know. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we have days. All right. Because last week, didn't we were like skin of our teeth. Oh, yeah. Recorded well. on Wednesday morning or something. And, <laughs> yeah. So it was like, oh, new episode tomorrow. Great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you for visiting the Gentleman Pirates Library. Please do wash your hands before reading. Who knows what kind of dirt you found on the deck. Please also subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at Gentleman Pirates. That's the word gentleman, P-I-R, and the number eight. And we'll be back with our coverage of Book 18. Thank you. Oh. <laughs>